When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson over the middle. Caught by Hollywood Brown. See you later. Hollywood to the house. Jackson, the spin and toss. Ingram makes a man miss. Diving. Touchdown. Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf. And Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens. And running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. It's been two weeks since our last episode. Feels like months to me, but we are back to give you the little bit of of Ravens news that, that has come out in the past 14 days. We're going to dive back deep into this past season and pick some favorite moments and then talk about some NFL news. Maybe JJ Watt. Maybe maybe JJ Watt comes to Baltimore. Uh, I am Antonio Barbera, joined, as always, by my two co-hosts. First and foremost, with what I think is a, a fresh haircut, but I, I I think I'm gonna guess, but let's see if he, he takes it from here. Tim Horsey, Tim, you're looking great over there. Uh, am I right or am I wrong? Uh you're right, yeah, really good for an audio medium too. Uh, finally decided to chop it all off again and in about a month or two, I'll be looking like Jace, who just looks like a wild man at this point. He looks like if you've played Red Dead Redemption 2 and you just let Arthur Morgan just let it flow, that's what Jace looks like right now. Um, so for the, for the three people that might get that joke. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm, your opening has made me slightly nervous that J.J. Watt is going to become the Jadavion Clowney of last offseason. And that terrifies me because, Antonio, it's not going to happen. We'll talk about it a little later. But it's not gonna happen. But outside of that, man, I'm doing good. I'm Tim, doing good. is it is it so wrong to have big dreams, hopes, and dreams about potential? I want the good players to come to Baltimore and play, but uh, sometimes I do ignore the the financial realities. Joining us from Los Angeles, Jace Evans. Jace, how you doing, man? Doing well, Antonio. Uh, as you mentioned, I cannot believe uh, the Super Bowl was two weeks ago. That seems so long ago. Um. 
I've been ruminating on it, reflecting on it. Cannot believe that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he who shall not be named won the Super Bowl. But, you know, that season, we'll reflect on it here. But it's in the past. It can't hurt us anymore. We're all about looking ahead to your Super Bowl champion Ravens 2021. It's happening. We're going to get J.J. Watt, Tim. It's all coming to Baltimore. Thank you. I love that. I love that. That's some early off-season enthusiasm. Uh, unbridled enthusiasm for things that may or may not, <laughs> but probably will not happen. Um, we want to quickly touch on a couple of little things that happened involving the Ravens in the last two weeks, and the first of which is a, a real bummer of a story, but we want to touch on it quickly. Jimmy Smith uh, was traveling to the West Coast. He was in Los Angeles, Jace. He was over over in your neck of the woods at the Los Angeles International Airport and had a robber follow him and his family at gunpoint from the airport to his hotel, apparently, and was stopped at some point and was robbed at gunpoint. Um, he and his family are safe. That's the best part about this, is that nothing really bad happened to them, but terrifying situation that I I don't really understand. I can't imagine that happening to me, but uh, good to know that he and his family are safe. And I I don't even, you know, speculation alert coming out here, but for some, somebody had to know who he was, I would assume. I mean, you can't just follow somebody randomly to their hotel and then, I mean, I've never heard of that happening from an airport. Um, Thoughts on, on what happened with Jimmy Smith, guys? Well, I think you're exactly right, Antonio. Like, it was clearly someone who knew or had a pretty good idea who he was or at least knew he was someone rich or had money in some way. Uh, because I agree with you, yeah. You, you don't normally just get tailed by a random person uh, to your hotel and then robbed. So clearly, you know, you don't know if it's someone who knew, knew Jimmy Smith personally, at least knew who he was or recognized that, you know, he was a either an athlete or someone famous is very scary though. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you don't expect anything like that, especially out of LAX where, you know, there's stars all the time there. I'm fairly certain the first time I ever landed in LA, Samuel L. Jackson was sitting at, uh, the baggage gate, like right when I got off the plane. So, uh, it's not something you expect. It, that's like, you know, more stars than anywhere go through LAX. So it's very scary and very, you know, glad they're all okay, but very weird off-season scary storyline for the Ravens. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. I'm just, I'm glad he's safe, and I'm glad him and his family are safe. That's that's pretty much it on that one. Jace, all I can think of with Samuel L. Jackson at an airport is him, like, yelling about his bags <laughs> not being immediately on his person. Yeah, he uh, he was wearing an all-white outfit. That's why I think it was him. It was, like, like a white, like, kind of golf cap, like, white shirt, white, like, silk like track pants. Uh, <laughs> it was somewhat rich if it wasn't Samuel L., but it looked like him. Antonio, Antonio, the snakes on a plane joke was right there. <laughs> it was right there, man. Come on. Oh, man, I forgot he was... Yeah, I, I forgot that was him. One of All his seminal roles. <laughs> man. Uh, yeah, so good Good to hear Jimmy Smith is, uh, is doing okay and uh, currently have having one more year a new one-year deal with the Ravens he he's, that's been the, the latest mo for Jimmy Smith is to add that one year as his contract is expiring um to to keep depth in the Ravens secondary and and possibly because I don't imagine there's a ton of 
across the NFL interest for, uh, you know, on wrong side of 30 corner, but uh, a match made in heaven at this point with one-year deals for Jimmy Smith. Um, the last thing to go over in terms of Ravens news is they lost another coach, <laughs> another assistant, and this is the running back coach, Matt Weiss, leaving to coach at Michigan. And Jace, in our, in our sort of pre- recording discussion had a couple of good points on this this is the ninth assistant coach the Ravens have lost this offseason at a certain point I mean losing two to three coaches happens to every team every year but when you get up to nine coaches Jace are we running into are we running into problems here are they even going to know who the staff is who the players are (laughs) it's going to be like a meet and greet the first few days of camp does it ever when you get to nine different coaches in one off season, um, when you're still dealing in theory, still dealing with COVID distancing and, and the, uh, certainly the lack of some workouts, the lack of some in-person meetings, could this make a difference to the Ravens like in-game in-season performance? I think that's a great point you raise on the, cause this off season is still going to be uh, not a pure off season. This isn't going to be the off seasons we've seen in years past from the NFL. Uh, due to COVID, and I I think that will can, it can pose problems. Now I think the good side of it is none of the assistants they lost are the offensive, defensive, or special teams coordinator. Um, so I believe that is useful. Um, to keep that continuity, you know, uh, at the end of the day, the guys in charge of your schemes are all the same. Uh. The guys, you know, from the top down laying the plan, and obviously head coach John Harbaugh, are all the same. So I think that's good. But I do think there will be, uh, mostly because they just won't get this interaction until July, regular started training camp. It's certainly, it seems like they'll be all virtual for the most part until then. Maybe they'll do a mini camp, but... They're not really going to learn, like, uh, Marlon Humphrey even joked, uh, He, I think he even used the phrase, it'll be a meet and greet uh, on Twitter uh, with all these assistants. Um, and I, I do think there's at least some concern, because, you know, continuity has kind of been a Ravens calling card, and that's just, as you said, so much turnover, and so many new people to meet, and relationships to build, but... I think they're buoyed by the fact that the coordinators are the same. So I think like they'll get used to it because the big bosses are all the same. So in theory, not too much is changing. Don't worry. They brought in Anthony Weaver as a (laughs) defensive line coach slash run game coordinator or whatever that role was. Um, So, so they, they've got that replaced. Yeah. I mean, Jace kind of nailed it. Look, I don't think any of us, being non-professional athletes who haven't been in that building can really know the impact that that's going to make. Um, nine is alarming, but the Ravens have a great coaching staff, and this happens pretty frequently. They lose assistance a lot to get other jobs because of the pedigree and because of the reputation that John Harbaugh has built around the NFL and the staff that he cultivates. So I don't... I find it tough to worry about. Um, also, very specifically, a running backs coach under Greg Roman, I have no issue. Like, fine, unless, you know, he was boys with J.K. Dobbins or something, then I really don't have, like, that big a concern. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, t- it's tough to say just because we don't know how much. I mean, hell, we were all shocked when David Culley, the wide receivers coach, got the head coaching gig 
for the Houston Texans. And it's like, how much does that guy do? Like, clearly he's respected around the league. All those stories come out. But I I don't want to sound ignorant saying this, but how much of an impact do these guys have on, like, game day? I get practice. I get developing players. I get the relationships there. I 100% understand that. But how big of an impact is it really when it comes down to wins and losses in the in the regular season and in the playoffs? Greg Roman's still there. Wink Martindale's still there. John Harbaugh's still there. For me, I'm not super concerned. And honestly, the best thing that this coaching staff can do is let guys go get opportunities when they want to get opportunities. I mean, you look at some of the – I have the list of guys right here. But the guys who got basically promoted, Joe Cullen is now the defensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We mentioned David Culley, the head coach for the Houston Texans. Zach Orr, random Raven legend, is now an outside linebackers coach with the Jaguars when he was basically just, his role was literally like assistant slash mentor or something ridiculous like that. Like these guys are getting, uh, Jesse Minter, defensive coordinator at Vanderbilt. You know, these guys are, they're doing what they have to do to get promoted and to make a name for themselves in this league or in this sport, if you were talking about college. So, the fact that the Ravens develop coaches like this um, and allow these guys to to promote themselves and to get better opportunities, I think is just a positive going forward because then you bring in other guys who are eager to fill those roles, knowing that hey, if I succeed in Baltimore, there are going to be there are going to be opportunities for me on the other side. Yeah, I, I agree with you both. The only other thing I would say is if. I wonder if one of the coordinators had left this season, if, you know, one of those names, if if some of these absences are because these guys wanted to move up and they saw that the move was not there for them again, which has sort of been whispered and speculated for the last few years with these two Ravens coordinators being hot coaching names, especially last season and then a little bit less this season, but still to to some extent. And at at a certain point you have to go... uh, where you maybe see the uh, a lane or a lane to a uh, to higher coaching role, so I wonder if, if that was part of the reason. Um, so yeah, that's that's all we really have in terms of Ravens news. This is very often a quiet time in the NFL, um, even in the NFL media landscape. I think this may be the most common two weeks where NFL writers and, and journalists take vacation because this is the it's immediately after the Super Bowl they. Uh, have some time because there's not a lot of transactional news. But there is some news, and we're going to talk about that in the NFL section. But before we do that, we want to do a little last sat, last sort of uh, wind down of this last Ravens season. little retrospective. We're going to each do a few minutes picking our favorite game, picking our favorite moment, and then look ahead to what are some of the big... Uh, the big changes that need to happen next year, the big moves. We've talked about them a little bit in the, as a result of the Ravens' playoff loss, but we'll touch on that quickly. But first, guys, favorite game, favorite moment of this past season. What, uh, what was your favorite Ravens 2020 highlight? So I think this is kind of a cop-out, but it's got to be the win against Tennessee in the playoffs. Uh, because I'll counter this by saying the regular season loss to the Titans was, for me the most crushing moment of this past regular season. It was so demoralizing watching Derrick Henry 
just rip through them, especially that overtime run, and just you're watching them run the last 30 yards, and you're like, I can't believe they lost to this team again. And just the way they lost that game, blowing the lead, the, just the no-effort play uh, on the A.J. Brown touchdown late, um, not being able to score late, it was crushing. It was the saddest I felt. I was like, combined with the Chiefs games earlier in the season, I was like, will the Ravens ever win a big game? I I had a dark place in that game. So to then, uh, you know, to get that win, to kind of get the monkey off your back uh, for Lamar in terms of getting uh, in the playoff win column um, and kind of, you know, I'm sure now we're having different conversations about Lamar in the playoffs, but we ended at least one narrative with him. And just the way they did it, come back on the road from 10 down, first 10-point comeback in Lamar's career, uh, and then the pick at the end with the stomp on the logo. It was beautiful. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was easily the most satisfying uh, moment of the season for me. And I think, you know, I think this team entered with Super Bowl aspirations, but I think at least getting that win... Um, really salvaged things and sort of made the season a success to me. Um, and one I'll remember. I'll remember that win. You know, the Ravens hadn't won a playoff game since the 2014 season, so that's a long time uh, in the NFL, even though they've had some success. So, yeah, for me, it's got to be the Titans' playoff win. Um, in terms of game, and I have moments. I have I have three distinct moments. Well, four, two of them in one game that I think this Ravens season will be remembered by. Um, and look, the right answer is what Jace just said. The, the win against Tennessee, the playoff win, the shutting those people up, and everything about that that we gushed over. You can listen back to that episode of us just um, <laughs> trying to keep this family show, celebrating for a very, very long time about that win. But the other one is Cleveland, 42 Ravens 47 on Monday night football Lamar pooping his pants and coming back onto the field to beat the Browns and send that miserable, miserable group of humans home disappointed yet again. Um, it, It was, it was a, I don't think I've had a game that had so many highs and lows at the same time. You know, I'm a very emotional person watching the Ravens as anybody who's watched them with me can attest that one from sheer we're the best team in the NFL to this team is never going to win a game ever again and legitimately believing both of those things within the span of about 15 minutes. It was insane. Um, you know, we thought, we thought the, playoff, the playoffs were not even a thing. Like, we were out of the playoff picture if they lose that game and Trace McSorley and the whole, like, Trace God gang or whatever <laughs> the hell those people call themselves are loving the fact that he's out there throwing the ball. And it was just, it was just horrible. Lamar, you're like, how does this happen to Lamar? Is he, is he the Chicago Cubs of the NFL at this point? Like, is he cursed? What is going on? He comes back out on the field, obviously throws the fourth down touchdown pass on his first play from scrimmage. You know, the whole story, rewatch the highlights. If you're ever bored, or you need some Ravens football. You need a little injection of life uh, during this just miserable offseason that this is going to be. That, for me, is the game. As for the moments, one, it's that throw to Hollywood Brown. That's that's there for me. 
I'll quickly mention the playoff game because Jace mentioned it earlier. The run, the Lamar Jackson run, where it looked like Usain Bolt wouldn't have caught him if he was in pads. It was just a remarkable superstar moment from a superstar player in this league. But the best part about that game is Marcus Peters not having to be reminded, (laughs) not having any hesitation, not the guys pulling him to the camera and being like, hey, look, now we have to celebrate. Immediately knowing that these people disrespected us in the regular season, their coach who talks a big game, but just like, just the machismo thing is a bit ridiculous with Mike Vrabel. The whole thing there, him, him kind of like, disrespecting John Harbaugh, them dancing on the logo, then they get the win, and Peters and every player on that logo, most of whom weren't on the field uh, for the play, run out onto it, and everybody's doing something different. Marlon Humphrey's pretending to defecate. Deshaun Elliott is stomping, like stomping on the logo. A couple other people are dancing on the logo. It was just an incredible moment of, oh my God, they're finally going to win this, and you know what? F you Tennessee. And this, this is like rivalry reignited. And I just loved every little aspect of it. And then the other one I just have to mention, and it, I hope it doesn't get forgot, but Chuck Clark jumping over Phillip rivers in the Indianapolis game, um, his Marshawn Lynch moment, if we're going to do the family show version. <laughs> and then Phillip rivers collapsing, like he had just been put into a coma. Um, and that, that turned the tide of that football game too, which was great. But those four moments for me, three if you want to call, you know, if you want to combine the Lamar and the Marcus Peters because it's the same game. Those moments are what I'm going to always remember about this season. Those are all fantastic. I didn't mean to take them all. I'm no, sorry. no, no, no. Those are great. Uh, thank goodness we have uh, Peters on this team. There, there is a, there would be, I should say, a gaping hole on this team if Marcus Peters weren't on it for his playmaking, his trash talking, his edge that not a lot of players on that roster, unfortunately, have. Um, but he, he takes on that role so well and then backs it up with plays in the biggest moments. For some reason, it's funny, when when I thought about this just the, immediately, the first thought was not the playoff game in terms of um, my favorite game of the season, even though it probably should be. But I just remember being... I guess too stressed out for too long of periods during that game because it was so close the whole time. I have that second Browns game. I don't want to rehash uh, the same stuff on here, but I had that Browns at at uh, at Cleveland game as well. I rewatched the uh, the like with the twelve minute or so fifteen minute NFL highlight video a, a few days ago. It is worth a rewatch. That is a short film that should be submitted at some uh, independent film festivals this <laughs> this off season um a because of just how it is you know the the sort of rise and fall and the cyclical nature of the story and all that stuff but lamar makes so many freaking plays in that game and it is so enjoyable to watch he has so many runs they they were up two touchdowns twice in that game but it does not feel like it looking <laughs> looking back on it uh, the offense was absolutely dominant. The defense at the time gave us a lot of pause, a lot of questions about how they were going to finish the, the re- rest of the season. But that game was the most fun. But I'll, I'll bring up another one um, just to say something different. And the other one is the other game against the Cleveland Browns. And that was week one. 
We were a 14-2 and team the season before with a playoff collapse. And while we hoped to see improvements from Lamar in the offseason, while we saw the videos of Hollywood Brown getting jacked and catching footballs with, with a helmet on and no shirt... God, remember you never that. Know. <laughs> you never know until the season actually starts. And that first game was just the perfect result of a week one new season with the Browns, first of all, looking terrible, which at the time was hysterical. Uh, I think Tim had a field day with that week one <laughs> result. Um, the Browns making so many mistakes, the Ravens winning that 38-6, to and it just sort of gave confidence that that was not a fluke of a team from the year before that this was a good football team they were going to be good again they were almost you know they were very likely to go to the postseason again and we did not have sort of a flash in the pan uh performance the year before but rather had an identity had a collective group of core guys that were really really good and are going to be here for years to come and it just set the tone for me set the table and that was also a very, very enjoyable Ravens game of a team that went 11-5, and won a playoff game, and will be your Super Bowl champion next season. 12-1, uh, Tim? 12-1 odds? Is that what the Super Bowl numbers are? So we're yep. just going to say that one more time. We'll keep, uh, we'll keep talking about it, about that number, as the offseason continues. Um, so I want to do quickly now, looking ahead... Uh, I think most listeners at this point know the things that the Ravens need most, what things they have to change. So I'm going to frame the question a little more specifically to you guys. The Ravens need playmakers at wide receiver. They need help on the offensive line, uh, and they need help rushing the passer. So my question to you is, if you could have next season the best version of one of those three positions. If you could have DeAndre Hopkins as the quarterback, if you could have, I don't even want to say J.J. Watt, like I, I want an even better in his prime pass rush. If you could have the number one player at, at one of those three positions, which one would you go for to make the Ravens the more likely to, to win a Super Bowl that season? Oh, God, what a good question. So we can like just, we don't have to name the player, but no. like in theory, you just have... Just like all pro, you take the all pro at that position, which right. one would be would make the most difference for this team in terms of the, you know the goal being to win a Super Bowl. You know what? This might be this might be an Antonio answer, and it goes against the grain of what I love about this team and what I love about the game that we watch and talk about, and that's offense and defensive line. I'm going stud wide receiver. I'm going absolute <laughs> Devonte Adams like can get open against anybody that isn't named Jalen Ramsey apparently, um, <laughs> and can make plays over the top. Doesn't drop the ball and moves the chains at an at an insane rate. You know, part of this is because I think the Ravens have shown obviously that they can draft pass rushers and draft offensive linemen and they still have yet to prove that they can draft a wide receiver so maybe in this hypothetical scenario i'm like taking that decision out of their hands and just saying you know what now nah, we'll just bring a proven vet in here who's going to be a stud 
But I really do, and look, this will change in week one when we only rush the ball for 97 yards and <laughs> lose by three points, and I'm losing my mind that Ben Bredesen is getting time on the offensive line. But at this moment in time, right now, maybe I'm buying into the hype of like the whole Twitter sphere of get Lamar a receiver. Get Lamar a receiver. I think that would be, if we could do it, I think that would be the number one priority for me in this hypothetical. It is a great question. I think I still lean you have to do something to improve the offensive line. And if that's bringing in, you know, the best all-pro guard, center. Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson, Jace. Can you imagine? Quentin Nelson would solve so many issues with this team. (laughs) Uh, So I, I do think the answer is still that, especially in light, I think, of either aren't going to have Orlando Brown at right tackle this upcoming season, or you definitely won't in 2022. I think you just have to invest in that. And I think, um, I think we saw that interior of the line was just such an issue, especially come playoff time uh, against the bills, especially, but, and, and that's, I think what was disappointing against the bills, even the Titans game, Lamar was facing so much pressure against defenses that like weren't that good at rushing the passer. And I think if he's going to improve, you know, you, you just, you just have to do everything you can to help him. And I think to Tim's point, while I agree that having a guy who just gets open himself, uh, (laughs) seemingly without issue regularly would go a long way to that. Um, at the same time, I think if your line's good enough, in theory, the guys you have can run open. And we've seen, you know, quarterback, good quarterbacks do a lot with, you know, Aaron Rodgers hasn't always had the most talented cast up there. Devontae Adams certainly is special. But, um, you know, I, I think just putting the bodies up front to keep him upright and help develop him as a passer, maybe, you know, stand in the pocket a little more, um just all that would help Lamar so much. That being said, when you like uh, raise the prospect of putting someone like say Reggie White was who immediately went into my head as the best, uh, you know, defensive lineman. I was like, well, it'd be so nice to have someone like Reggie White on the Ravens defensive line. And uh, having just watched the Super Bowl where we once again saw how valuable rushing with four is that has, caused me to rethink my thoughts on the Ravens defensive line a little bit, but I still think uh, it comes back to helping Lamar in the offense. So that's why I'll go with the offensive lineman. Yeah, just quickly, Jace makes all the sensible points, (laughs) the points that I've made over and over and over again this year about how important pass rush and protecting the passer is. I think it's also just one of those things of like, I'm 29 years old now. I've been watching the Ravens, what, for 25 years? Twenty, Yeah, 25 years because it was 96, whatever. Do the math. Having a stud wide receiver is something I've never seen. <laughs> and it would be absolutely incredible to have just, like, that dude line up out on the outside every single down. So I think that's part of the reason uh, th- why I'm going that way here. This is why front office jobs in the NFL are not as hard as they look, but 50 times harder than they look. Because you asked this question to three, I mean, Raven fans, number one, but we like to pretend like we're uh, slightly more plugged in, I guess, to the Ravens. But 
we end up with three different answers to this type of question <laughs> because I went straight away to wanting that stud edge lineman. And it was, I mean, Jaysha took the words right out of my mouth. We watched the Super Bowl, the road through the AFC for the next, oh my gosh, 10 to 15 years <laughs> is going to be through Kansas City and by beating Patrick Mahomes. And it's clear that the way to do it is not to get pressure on him constantly, but to get pressure on him constantly with four. The Ravens have absolutely no ability to do that right now. And could you imagine Aaron Donald on this line just blowing by double teams <laughs> on a consistent basis and getting pressure on the quarterback? We already have the secondary. Adding that aspect to the front line would change this defense so much they would be unbelievably good. And I trust the Ravens' offense with this you know, with these three options. I trust the Ravens' offense even with the deficiencies they currently have. If you can just run it back, that team is going to score points, hopefully beyond just the regular season, and your defense is going to hold teams so consistently to under 20 points in today's NFL with what they have in the secondary, with what you hope Patrick Queen would become at the linebacker spot, and having just a dominant edge guy. Um, I mean, obviously Donald plays inside a little bit. Donald just does everything on the line, so I'm, I'm choosing. I'm choosing him. Maybe it's a, a, a cheating answer, but um, but I think it, it's very interesting to me that all three of us chose three different spots uh, for what would all all be very important and significant improvements to this team. Yeah, I mean, Aaron, Aaron Donald. Yes, please. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? I would. I would cut Derek Wolf. Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell right now to have Aaron Donald in the middle of that defensive line. No question. All right, we're going to pivot now to NFL news. But first, it's time for, we didn't forget, the Random Raven. And it is Tim's turn this week. So, Tim, who do you have for us? All right, so this one, I think, I think, actually, I'll say this. I am very confident that both of you will get this one. It might be a little tough for the listener, but but we'll have to see. And this includes one of my favorite clues, even though it is relatively depressing. Um, but we'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> Clue number one. This player joined the Ravens in 2004 and spent five seasons with the team. Clue number two. His best season in Baltimore was 2007, where he started 13 games and finished with 41 tackles, a sack, and weirdly, an interception. A clue there for you. Clue number three. He played for only two other teams in his career, the Buffalo Bills and the Carolina Panthers. And actually, it was pretty good for the Panthers. Clue number four, and this is, this is my... It's long, so pay attention, but this, I like this clue. This Oregon State product was the Ravens' first draft pick in 2004, but he was not a first-round pick. That first-round pick was traded to New England the previous year to move up and select Kyle Bowler, everyone's favorite quarterback. That's a shame. The Patriots then used <laughs> that first-rounder in 2004 to select Vince Wilfork. Yep. <laughs> and, and our random Raven plays the same position as Vince. And clue number five, 
Other players to wear the same number as this player include Chris Wormley, Corey Redding, Lawrence Guy, and now Calais Campbell. Oh, no. Oh, 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 my goodness. We might have, uh, would this be maybe not a first, but like a second? A pod like a Raven second? Because I am struggling. Jace's head... In his hands, I, full on. I feel like Tim, like I didn't get his last one either. I don't think I, he's he's throwing some 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 good ones our way. We're scratching the bottom of the barrel, yeah. man. We're get we're getting to that point. I mean, you said he played. State. We'll run through the clues again later. But you said f- five years, four years with the Ravens, <laughs> two thousand four to two thousand nine. Um, I'll give you I'll give you this bonus clue now that you're both stumped, and it's really, uh, admittedly, it's not that big of a bonus clue. But my reasoning for this guy came because I, I was looking at our rundown here and I saw we were talking about coaching changes and Anthony Weaver popped into my head. And I was like, oh, wait, for some reason, I kind of correlate this guy with Anthony Weaver, even though they, I don't know if they even they were around the same time, but just kind of the same like was was a guy. He was there. He, he made some plays, but he wasn't like you know, spectacular in any way, shape, or form. I don't know why. I, I went Anthony Weaver, and then this guy immediately popped into my head. I was like, that's who I'm going to do for the random. I'm going to be so bad about this one, because I'm like, I see it, but I don't. We'll ruminate on that one. We'll sit on it. <laughs> All right. Oregon State. All right. Uh, let's move to the NFL. Now, I teased it at the top, but we have to talk about it, Tim, even if just for a minute. Um, J.J. Watt asking and then was granted a release by the Houston Texans as the wheels. The wheels have already fallen off. The engine has fallen out of the bottom of the Houston Texans uh, car. They've jumped to, a, I mean, I guess a complete rebuild, and they're still trying to convince their quarterback to stay on their team. Um, J.J. Watt, now available. Every team wants him. He has said that there will be no decision coming anytime soon. So this is going to be a nice, painful, drawn-out free agent experience for J.J. Watt. Thoughts on where? what tier is this guy in at this point? I mean, he had you know pretty good numbers last year. The sack numbers are, are fine, but has graded very, very well in more advanced stats, uh, advanced metrics based on how teams played against the Texans and how bad the Texans were overall as a team. So what tier do you put Watt at at this point in his career as a free agent? What percentage is there that the Ravens somehow get him in some sort of money deal finagling? It is the Ravens. They are able to figure this stuff out. And uh, and uh, other than that, do you see him going anywhere? Any guesses for where he ends up? Well, first of all, I have... I have an issue with Watt being grade A free agent at this moment in time. Over the last five seasons, he's only played all 16 games twice. 2016, he played three games. 2017, five. Then in 2018, he played all 16. 2019, he only played eight games. And 2020, he played 16 games. The guy is off injured. He's an absolute stud when he plays, but he is a very, very injured, going to be 32-year-old defensive lineman by the time you know the season starts or during that season it was his 31 year old season last year he did play all 
uh, 16 games last year, so that's encouraging. Um, I'll let you guys talk about the prospect of him possibly coming to the Ravens because I just I'm not even going to entertain it. Like I, I'm taking the I'm taking the Vince Vaughn at the beginning of dodgeball thing. Like if you don't have dreams, you can't be disappointed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like so that's kind of the approach that I'm taking here, average Joe's gym style. Um, the thing that infuriates me about this is. He's linked to a couple different teams. First of all, the Titans have publicly already said they've reached out, which is annoying. The Buffalo Bills keep getting brought up as a fantastic fit. Again, annoying. The Cleveland Browns, because apparently they're just made of money. I don't know where they get all this money, and I don't know how it works, but they can just sign a bunch of people all the time. They're being linked. Let's take away the Packers and the Cardinals. The Cardinals are being linked because DeAndre Hopkins is trying to, like, hey, it's way better here than it was in Houston. Come on over. But then it's the Steelers, and it's the link with TJ, and it's the link with his brother Derek, who I, I did keep forgetting that guy exists anyway. But, like, I, I, you know, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because at first I say he's not a grade-A free agent. Secondly, I say if the Steelers, who, by the way, are in terrible cap numbers just like we are right now too, so I don't think it's really an, an option – but if he does this whole, I want to play with my brother thing, how fun would this be? You know that it's going to work out. It's going to work out. He's going to play all 16 games. He'll probably have like 12 or 13 sacks. But more importantly, he'll free up TJ to have like 27. And it'll be infuriating. So the biggest thing for me is like, JJ, go home, buddy. You want to go to Green Bay? Go play with A-Raj. Like, just, just. Just go there. It's fine. We'll deal with you in the Super Bowl. I don't want to deal with you until then. Um, so, yeah, the, big, the biggest thing for me in this whole thing when it, when it came down was, oh, God, he's going to sign in Pittsburgh. And I, that, that thought still has not gone away, which uh, terrifies me. I mean, frankly. I'll admit, Tim, I immediately thought that, too. I was like, he's always going to play with uh, TJ and Derek in Pittsburgh. But, yeah, you mentioned their salary cap is – arguably in the worst shape of the league of any team not the saints it's not great they're in trouble and they they but as you said the caps also like i do think a lot of times cap concerns are a little greater than we make them out to be at times the saints just got rid of 25 of their 100 million uh cap overrun they had by just changing something with drew Brees' contract and they just immediately saved 24 million dollars um so if if TJ or if JJ Watt really wanted to play, and he's basically said it's not about the money, because you know, uh, with this release and stuff, so uh, he he definitely seems like he wants to win. I am with you. He's not a great A, I think, free agent anymore. Um, he's coming off his lowest sack total for a full season in his career. That being said. I fully expect a bounce back season from JJ Watt in a new place. I think he's going to be motivated. Uh, to prove he's still really good, I think just getting out of that Houston situation uh, will prove beneficial to him. But I am with you. As long as he ends up on not the Steelers, that would be ideal. I mean, I wouldn't love if he's on the Browns or the Bills either, but uh, as long as he's not on the Steelers, that's great. I'm still holding out hope. I think I don't know if I've said it on this program, but I've joked in text certainly uh, over the last two years that the Ravens should trade for J.J. Watt. So this is their opportunity <laughs> if they're they're ever going to add him to the team. Um, 
but uh, I like the idea. I don't know how good he still is, but I'd love J.J. Watt on the Ravens. I enjoy J.J. Watt, so if the money works, I'm all for it. <laughs> so here's the scenario that brings J.J. Watt to Baltimore. Let me just <laughs> let me jump right in here with this definitely going to happen scenario. Elite NFL pass rushers. Why are they elite? Because they're alphas. They're all alphas. They want to be the number one guy. They want to be the number one guy in their team. They want to be the number one guy in the NFL. J.J. Watt loves his bros, loves loves TJ, loves the other one. But he's not going to go to Pittsburgh and have to compete against his much more in his prime brother who led the NFL in sacks last year with 15, which I did not realize. He's not going to go... Well, let me back up. What would he do, however, with his bros? He would love to play them twice a year and compete against them multiple times, year in, year out. Get that family time in. Get that photo after the game, you know, with the bros and then the jerseys. Is he going to go... I mean, I'm not even going to say the Bengals. He's not going to the Bengals. Is he going to go to Cleveland? No, because he wouldn't be the guy there. They have Miles Garrett. He's the alpha pass rusher on that team. J.J. Watt says no thank you. However, he wants to go to a team that plays Pittsburgh twice a year, that is going to contend for multiple years, has all the foundation there, and where he will be the unquestioned number one dude rushing the passer, and that's on the Baltimore Ravens. He takes a pay cut, as he will likely have to if he wants to go on a team where he has an excellent chance of winning a Super Bowl, and he gets to play against his bros twice a year in the best rivalry in the NFL. So, JJ, we're ready, man. We're ready for you. Uh, You're going to have to take a pay cut. The crab cakes are delicious. Uh, We'll figure out some other perks. Uh, Steve Bishotti will figure out maybe, you know, the future... 0.5% 0.5% stake ownership uh, of the Ravens <laughs> that nobody knows about for the next 20 years uh, to make the money work. But you, you'll figure that out later. But come to Baltimore, play against... Imagine those Sunday night games against the Pittsburgh Steelers going up against your brother at least once a year. Those games are in primetime way too often. Um, and no, don't go to Cleveland. Don't go to Cleveland. They're going to be probably bad next year. They, they had their moment. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's the Ravens in the AFC North, and that's the very illogical thing that I have to say, because if he goes to the Bills, he would also be their unquestionable <laughs> alpha number one dude, and it would be Buffalo, and I feel like J.J. Watt in Buffalo just feels like it makes sense, but no. He comes to Baltimore, gets to play Pittsburgh twice a year. I'm fired up, Antonio. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Keep dreaming. You know what's actually going to happen, though, is the Ravens are now actually going to sign Jadavion Clowney this season after he had zero sacks uh, in eight games for the Titans in 2020. <laughs> yeah, And he'll have, like, he'll have, like, two, and they'll both be against the Bengals in, like, October. And we'll be like, oh, this is the moment, and it's not the moment. <laughs> and, the, you know, the Ravens will continue to spend on defense and uh, not improve the offense whatsoever, and we'll be sitting here in a year doing the same thing. Stop, stop, we need to move You're on. You're talking yourself into a bad place, Tim. <laughs> Elsewhere in the NFL, another sort of uh, cog in the quarterback machine fell into place with Carson Wentz finally moving from 
Philadelphia to the Indianapolis Colts. Colts obviously with a need, again, for uh, plug-and-play new quarterback, and it's Carson Wentz who's going to be a bit of a reclamation project. Um, Philadelphia getting a third-round pick and a conditional 2022 second-round pick that could turn into a first-round pick. Who won this deal? Who lost this deal? Is there a chance that Carson Wentz comes back into that MVP form that he showed in what I think was 2017, where he was an MVP front runner. Um, can he can he bring that magic back and get it in Indianapolis? I mean, for for me, it's tough to see a loser here. I think the only loser is Philly if Jalen Hurts is just bad, which could very well be the case. Um you know, Frank Reich, obviously, the story's been told. Frank Reich, head coach of the Colts now, was the quarterback's coach when Wentz was there. And now now that Wentz and Peterson fell out, everybody's like, well, it was actually Reich who was really good with him. It wasn't Peterson, yada, yada, yada. It's funny how hindsight bias just dominates the news cycle nowadays. Um, Wentz, sure. I mean, he has the talent. His head doesn't seem like it's in the right place all the time he seems a little bit of a head case um which would worry me if i was a colts fan but like look this one was written on the wall for a while and i know i know you know as as an avid listener to the pat mcafee show who was not excited about the prospect of carson wentz showing up in indianapolis but realizing it was basically inevitable um worst case scenario is he's bad again and they have to find a new quarterback next year you know best case scenario is a team that is already pretty loaded, a great defense, has some weapons on the offense too, a great offensive line, although they got to figure out the left tackle spot now that Anthony Costanza retired, gets a competent NFL quarterback, and at best, maybe even a great NFL quarterback, if magically he just figures his S out, and they're a real contender in the AFC, which is an incredibly tough conference with with all these teams in it. So, to give up a third-round pick this year and then, you know, if Wentz plays, it's going to be a first-rounder, basically. You know, if if he plays 75% of the snaps, meaning he's doing pretty well, meaning that draft pick will probably be pretty low, that first-round pick will probably be pretty low anyway. You know, Chris Ballard, great GM for the Colts. I think this is a great – I'm not going to say great because, look, Wentz was horrible last year, and I, it's going to take a lot to bring him back. But – even with his number, I don't know if you guys disagree or agree with this, even with his cap number, I think it's pretty low risk for them. Yeah, I think it's a good, it's weird. I think it's kind of a weird thing where I think everyone's kind of a winner, but also things could play out that everyone turns out a loser in this. <laughs> um, it's such a fine line with a deal like this. Um, but I agree with you, Tim, in the sense that I think Carson Wentz, I think there's still talent there. Maybe I'm a sucker, but, you know, the year, his second year in the league, 2017, he's 11-2 as a starter, 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 60% completion percentage. And he tears his ACL. He was going to win the MVP that year if he stays healthy. Um, He was having the best season of any quarterback in Eagles history. Uh, and that is second year in the league. Even in 2019, the team went 9-7, and seven, but he completed nearly 64% of his passes, had 27 touchdowns, 7 picks, and that was when he was throwing. That was like when Greg Ward was their number one receiver. They were just so destroyed at the receiver level. Um, 
And so I'm inclined to think the talented player's still there. But that's what concerned me for him this past season was they faced similar adversity with the offensive line injuries and wide receiver injuries as they did in 2019. But he just unraveled completely last year. You know, he was sacked a league high 50 times. He threw a league high 15 interceptions to just 16 touchdowns and was dropped all the way down uh, to just above 57.4% completion. That's a concerning slide. Um, but to your point, the Colts are, I think, a lot better situation um, overall. And I think, you know, he likes Frank Reich. And maybe if he's in a better place mentally, um, he protected more. We mentioned Quentin Nelson. He's a beast. Their offensive line's quite good. Obviously, as you mentioned, have to figure out Costanza's replacement. But the Colts have the pieces. That's what's been so funny with them since Andrew Luck's retirement is they finally built a really good team in Luck's final year, and then he retired. And they've kind of just been having this good squad that just is missing the most important piece. And I don't think Wentz is a perfect quarterback by any means. Um, but I, I think he's more talented than he showed last year. And if if, if him and Reich are on good terms uh, and can coax that out of him, I think that's good. I also think just he needed a change of scenery. I think... Things had turned so toxic with him and the Eagles. Because that's at first why I was kind of surprised by the trade. Because when they fired Doug Peterson, I kind of thought, oh, they've chose, the Eagles chose Carson Wentz over Peterson, basically. Um, but then they also got rid of Wentz. And so it's a full rebuild there for Philly. Um, and that's kind of stunning to me just so soon after they won the Super Bowl. But that's how, you know, fast things can change in the NFL. That was three years ago, and now we're looking at probably one of the five worst teams of the NFL next year. But uh, I, I think it was just had turned so toxic. And I think for Wentz, he's going to be under so much less pressure in Indianapolis. You know, they care about the Colts a lot there, but it's not, it's not the pressure that playing in Philadelphia is. It's not the nonstop callers to WIP. And, you know, just, I think he would have been booed the second he took the field in 2021. And I think it was just so damaged that I think it's probably was just best for all involved to get a fresh start. So I think on the whole, everyone's a winner, and I think the Colts will benefit from this. On that, too, I mean, I mentioned it a little bit, but Antonio, before you go, we should mention, this could get really, really bad for the Eagles. I don't even know who they hired as their their head coach. So I think it was so, Indy's offensive coordinator, I think. Nick Sirianni? <laughs> is, that the, is that his name? <laughs> And that's why that man works at USA Today. Uh, yeah, Nick Sirianni is the name. Literally just pulled from the Frank Reich tree because they couldn't escape it. Jalen Hurts was <laughs> fine? Like, he was just fine? Was he anything better than fine? Even, you know, on the scale of bad to good, probably slightly towards bad. Um, it could get really bad for them. And then the other thing we should note, because this, this did come out, uh, on Monday, uh, as we record this, that the Colts wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. said he will not be giving up the number eleven for Carson Wentz, <laughs> which I just think is hilarious. Um, so, already infighting in the Colts camp. Who knows? Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, I, I think I agree with you, Tim, when you spoke earlier. This is it's good. It's good for both teams. It's not great for either team. I'd give it like a a B <laughs> of of a deal for both teams. I I feel like uh, too many Eagles games were in prime time last year, so I actually watched like large chunks of Carson Wentz 
missing receivers by five or ten yards. And their offense by, I want to say, by like November was a train wreck. He was running for his life all the time. It was like he looked like he was shell-shocked in those games, and then that was leading to him. They would come out of commercials, and they do that. They don't do a ton of this uh, in NFL games, I think, because they don't want it to go over the head of a lot of the viewers. But every so often, they'll break down a play, and they'll show what should have been his first read and what he should have done with that first read. And every time they broke that play down, it was a disaster. And it was a mistake on his part where either he missed the first read or the first read was not there and he threw it to him anyway, or he read it right and then missed open receivers by very wide margins. So it is a reclamation project at this point for the Colts. It makes sense for them to try to get a reclamation project, given the highs of Carson Wentz, and given that, as Jace mentioned, this is a team where they have to put in the veteran quarterback who's ready to go, and then the rest of the team is is kind of set. The issue with it is the money. <laughs> the Colts have to pay Wentz. He has $25 million, $22 million, $25 million, 26 million are still left on the last four years of this deal where they could know eight games in that this is a disaster that's just not going to work out. And then I I don't know how much of this they're on the hook for in terms of trying to cut him after a year, trying to cut him after two years. If you guys know this off the top of your head, jump in here at if there's any sort of like opt out deals at any point in these four years, but it's $100 million left for a guy who looked horrendous by the second half of last season. So that part is the issue for me. Um, I also don't know if I believe in the narrative where, oh, he's back with that coach, so everything's <laughs> going to be fine. There, how many times did the Ravens try to bring in like QB whispers for Flacco? And that didn't work any of the times that they tried to do that. This isn't exactly the same thing, obviously, but... I have a bad feeling about this. I would like to see him succeed, um, given that the Colts are good, and I don't want the Ravens to have to deal with them year in, year out. I, I'm, you know, in that sense, I'm a little more optimistic for the Ravens, but I do not see this going great for the Colts just based on you know, risk-reward, the risk being just this weight of a contract that they have to take on now. Well- well, the th- the thing real quickly, sorry, Jace, uh, this is according to Over the Cap, a uh, good website for all this nerdy cap stuff, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. That's a tease. Uh, fourth in the NFL right now. They have, even with, Wentz is bringing on a $25.4 million cap hit. And I believe that extent, because the whole joke was the extension hadn't kicked in yet. I don't think that's still kicked in yet. I don't remember if that has kicked in now in this offseason or not. It might have. But he has a $25.4 million cap hit. The second uh, biggest number on the Colts is DeForest Buckner, who they brought in last year for the dra- around the draft at around $16 million. But the Colts have $43 million right now in available cap space, even with bringing in Wentz and even with the new uh, floor for the cap, which we'll talk about in a second. So they have, like, Chris Ballard is very good at, basically, they have the room to make this move. And, you know, that can change quickly if you start bringing in a bunch of guys or signing guys to long-term deals. But at the moment, 
the Colts have the wiggle room to make this move, basically. Well, and, and I think the concerns with Wentz's contract was reflected in the return the Eagles got for him, right? Because, you know, we see Matthew Stafford, with also a huge contract, get traded for two first-round picks, uh, and Carson Wentz seemingly considerably more damaged goods. Uh, you know, they don't even, they get, maybe we might get a first-round pick for him. Uh, maybe. So, I... I, I, I you know, I guess I can't really blame the Eagles too much for the return they got because, like, it's clear, like, <laughs> if it wasn't the Colts, it was, like, maybe the Bears were, like, the two teams interested. Uh, I was listening to Albert Breer on Ryan Rosillo's podcast, and that was kind of – there just wasn't a market for him, and I think that deal's a big part. And, as we said, just all the concerns with him. I think your point's great, Antonio. Carson Wentz might just be too far gone, and – um, this happens. It stinks. It happens sometimes. Guys lose their confidence. Uh, they get figured out, etc. Um, and that's possible with him. So I guess we'll just have to, uh, you know, we're, the war. We're not going to know. The Colts really weren't. Uh, won't know until uh, September of 2020. So it'll be fascinating to watch play out. The last quarterback sort of left to to see here will be Deshaun Watson with the Houston Texans. Still seeing if, if he'll remain on that team or if he still wants to force his way out via trade or if uh, they can convince him somehow to, to stay on that, as I mentioned earlier, car that is basically just a frame at this point. <laughs> um, last NFL new- note, as Tim uh, teased there nicely, is the cap, NFL salary cap. So, Tim, can you give us updated numbers on that, which is a, a little bit of good news uh, for what what the, what it was looking like before for the Ravens. Right. So I, I we don't have to get too far in the weeds here because it's all based on this free agency stuff. Obviously, um, the free agency market is about to open here in a couple of weeks. And, and you talk about quarterbacks. I mean, you say Watson's the last one. We still don't know what the deal is with Drew Brees. Uh, Mitch Trubisky. What, what is Denver going to do with Drew Locke? Cam Newton's out there still. New England needs a quarterback. Uh, Sam Darnold, Ben Roethlisberger, and his $40 million <laughs> cap hit. So a ton of stuff that we're going to discuss. And part of that is the cap number. Now, as you can expect, for those of you, if we really need to break it down, there is a salary cap. You can only spend a certain amount of money on players that the NFL dictates based on revenue, yada, yada, yada. This past year, it was $198.2 million. Then COVID came. And we all expected it to be relatively low. Um, and the news a uh, couple days ago now at this point was that the floor of this, and it is still expected to rise. They haven't finalized everything yet. But the floor has been set at $180 million. So $18 million less than last year. But it is way better than some of the projections were in the 170, 175 region. And this is only the floor. It could still possibly go up as they're continuing to who knows what they do really i could make up some words for you but i'm not going to do that yeah sure fudge the numbers whatever it is they're doing it is going to be no less than 180 million so for the ravens it's incredibly annoying because we finally the ravens never have cap room and we finally had some and now a lot of that's just being slashed because of a global pandemic that we can't seem to wrangle um Right now, the Ravens, this all comes from Russell Street Report, our friend Brian McFarland over there, uh, who has been on this podcast before, at Ravens Salary Cap on Twitter. If you want to get nerdy with this stuff, follow him because he knows what he's talking about. 
Right now, the Ravens have about projected to have about $18 million in cap um, after restricted free agents and things. If the cap is 180.5, they are going to have about $13.8 million in cap room is kind of the projection right now. So long story short, the Ravens don't have a ton of money. Weird. They never do. But it is a little more than we expected. I'm encouraged that it... Like, I'm still holding out hope. I know we didn't bring him up, but you're Corey Lindsley's. Uh, there's some guards on the market. Uh, you're Joe Tooney's. Uh, Brandon Scherf's potentially a free agent uh, from Washington. So, fingers crossed that the Ravens find exactly, you know, $13 million they can allocate to one of these very good guards uh, or centers. But I guess we shall see. All right, that's pretty much all we have to to discuss this week uh let's go over this random raven tim one more time jace is just back (laughs) he's back rubbing his eyes i hadn't even hadn't even said it yet and he's already devastated tim can you run through these random raven clues one more time sure i will run through these uh this player joined the ravens in 2004 and spent five seasons with the team his best season in baltimore was 2007 where he started 13 games and finished with 41 tackles, a sack, and wildly an interception, which is not, there's a little bit of a hint there for you. Clue number three, he played for only two other teams in his career, the Buffalo Bills and the Carolina Panthers. Clue number four, this Oregon State product was the Ravens' first draft pick in 2004, but he was not a first round pick. That first round pick was traded to New England the previous year to move up and select Kyle Bowler and what a great experiment that turned out to be. The Patriots then used that first rounder in 2004 to select Vince Wilfork, and our random Raven plays the exact same position. Well, not exact. Plays around there. You get it. Clue number five, other players to wear the same number as this player include Chris Warmly, Corey Redding, Lawrence Guy, and now Calais Campbell. And your bonus clue, I don't know why, but when I found out I had to do the Random Raven, I was thinking about Anthony Weaver, and this guy automatically popped into my head because in some weird way, they kind of relate to me as just guys. Like, guys who were there, were there for a while, were okay, and then moved on. I'm speechless. Yeah, I'm drawn. Like I have... Because the, the problem <laughs> wow. here is that his best season was in the Ravens' worst season in 20 years. So, okay, I'll help you out a little bit there. So that was 2007. He didn't play in 2008, I believe, for injury. Mm. In 2009, he comes back. He only starts nine games, but he does have 47 tackles. He actually has two fumble recoveries, one of them being a touchdown as well in 2009. And then I'll help you out a little bit more. He does what he does better in Buffalo. His two seasons in Buffalo... He has 57 tackles and 52 tackles, respectively. And then his first season in Carolina in 2012, he had 52 tackles and six sacks. He actually had uh, he had 14 sacks in four seasons in Carolina, which is relative. He only had two in five seasons in Baltimore. Yeah, I have no idea. Jace, <sighs> any, uh, any guesses here before no, we have and, to reveal? No, and what frustrates me is we should remember a guy that was... <laughs> played that long with the Ravens and was like at least sort of involved I mean I keep just thinking of Corey Redding because that's 
You know, I think I think he was like the guy after this guy, but like I yeah, can't. Pretty, I'm like visualizing it, much but exactly I'm, I have the, the name's not happening for me. I don't know why. I'm gonna. Right. Get, I mean, Tim, we had a we had Make Kimoyatu. Is this like another Kimoyatu? Is this like his it brother is, or his cousin? It is not. See, I was gonna Kimoyatu. say I was like I couldn't remember if we did Make Kimoyatu, but he was also the other name I was thinking of. Oregon also State went to, sounded seemed right. Yeah. <laughs> also went to Carolina too. Uh, all right, so wow, I stumped you, stumped you guys. I'm pretty excited about that. This is Dewan Edwards. Oh my gosh, <laughs> what a name! <laughs> I mean, I yeah, that wasn't coming anywhere. But uh, yeah, he played. He was on the team for all the, all of those. I mean, all of those aforementioned years. Just a guy. Just I'll admit guy. that's way longer than I remember him being on the Ravens. I'll tell you that's for sure. I, yep. Oh four. <laughs> oh four that to oh a... nine. <laughs> he was on. I remember a, it being. Random, random. I remember it being the draft of like you're, we're still younger at that time, and like I was excited for the draft. Then you're like, wait, they don't have a first round pick, and they don't have it because of Kyle Bowler. What? And then we had to wait all day, and then they ended up picking a defensive tackle out of Oregon State, who was just fine. Dwan Edwards, the first Raven draft pick of any season, is just a, that's a, oh boy. Listener, if any of you got this random Raven, contact us, either at Raven on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, (laughs) email us at Pod like a ra- or at pod like a raven at gmail.com. Get in touch with us. We want to know if you guys were able to get this right and why. And what little <laughs> nugget of information was the reason for this, why you got this one right. This is like a perfect... We'll talk about it on the next episode. Just a, such a perfect random raven because, like, he was on the team for a long time. We should have gotten him, but I have no discernible memory. Like, I don't have a single Dwan Edwards Ravens memory. And the guy was on the team for... You know, he played in five seasons. He was on the team for six years. <laughs> and I don't have a single a single moment I associate with this guy at all. Like even some of your obscure guys, you're still you know our Marcus Robinsons, etc., that have come up on this show before. You know, they have games, they have moments. I have nothing for Dwan Edwards, so that's a that's such a great choice, Tim. That's awesome. Uh, Jace is up next week with the Random Raven. He's already told us that he has uh, next episode. He's already told us that he has a doozy. So uh, I think it's going to make you guys mad, but uh, <laughs> he came up with my research, and I just want to throw him in. We, we've been doing the show for like two years now. We're, we're starting to run out of guys. <laughs> with the, these COVID rosters, it's like very soon where we're going to have to be naming the covid reserve list players that they were able to keep uh in an unusual way all right so we are we're, we're done we're done this is this is all we have it's uh it's the dead time of the nfl season and as such as you could tell with this episode we are now at a every two week schedule so we will be back on in two weeks which will be march and we will be talking about uh raven's free agency raven's early draft uh discussions about who they should get um with i believe they picked 27th this year in the first it's 26 or 27 um and we'll be breaking down who they should get we'll start prepping our mock drafts which will absolutely come out uh in april um and it'll be nfl offseason and and ravens offseason as they prepare 
for their Super Bowl winning 2021 season. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thank you for listening to Pod Like a Raven. We will see you in two weeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.